Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Brave Worship, episode 103. Welcome to the Brave Podcast. We exist to answer the call to be what you need in the lives of kingdom-minded songwriters. We want to make a generational difference in the culture of the music industry by creating a place of belonging, learning, and launching. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Brave Worship. It's another episode. It's been a while. Yes, it's been a little while. We've had some things going on in life. and What thing? <laughs> <laughs> what thing? <laughs> well, I don't know. I was sick last week, right? Yeah, you were. I was so sick. I and... actually caught you r- coughing. I, I recorded You got it. that? Yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't intend Don't to. put it on here. Should I put one cough no. on? Just as a- <laughs> no, no one wants to hear that. <coughs> and then we have our um, instructions for, do you have somehow, yeah, you have your my, maps on. My ways was up. Your yeah. ways was up? Yep. You gotta and watch our, it. Our son recorded... All of those directions in a Yoda voice. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what was just happening right before that. <coughs> All right. Well, guys, we have a lot going on before we dive into this episode. Mm-hmm. We have. We had a brave worship night Saturday night down at the Franklin Prayer House. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yes, it was just really sweet. It was fun to gather again, and we do those quarterly. So if you're wondering where to find out about those events, go to our website, braveworship.com slash events. Yep, that's it. It happens. How do those normally run? Quarterly. Quarterly Mm -hmm. worship nights. Yep. Monthly coffees. Yes, monthly coffees. In person and Zoom. Yep. And then um, we have quarterly prayer nights as well, so... All of those things you can find on the website. All right, braveworship.com. And we have two other announcements that we could talk about now. Number one is we have a brand new round of mentorship starting for the summer. Yes. And those run, that'll be running June 6th, the week of June 6th, Mm -hmm. all the way through the first week of August. And we take a break during the USA 4th of July holiday, Mm -hmm. typically most of our Students are from the United States, but we do have people from around the world that join our mentorships. Do you want to give a quick nugget of what the mentorships are if if songwriters are interested? Yes. So the mentorship is specifically set up for people that want to learn how to write worship songs. And um, it's done over the course of nine weeks with a mentor. 
somebody that I've mentored in worship songwriting. Yeah. We have six of those, I think. And um depends right. on we have the round. Six mentors, but we have six three, mentors. three mentorships open. Three that'll right run now. this time. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a small group, so twelve or less in your group. And it's really a, a beautiful process. So it starts out really each session, you will have watched some video from me, my teachings, and then you'll get on a live Zoom call and have discussion and just have that ability to have a conversation about what you're learning. And then you'll be sent out with more things to do and put into action. And you learn how to co-write. We set up co-writes for you. It talks really about many things, but includes the heart really first, how to prepare your heart for writing. And then it talks about the skill behind writing songs talks about co-writing and it talks a lot about the purpose behind why we're doing this. And it's great for an individual, but we've also had worship teams go through it that Mm want to learn how to establish worship songwriting in their church. That's right. That's right. Just a little bit about that. Yeah. And it it really is a wonderful thing. It opens up a lot of other opportunities. We have uh, writing retreats for songwriter graduates. We have the writing club, which is an ongoing, consistent continuation of all the things that you really experienced in the mentorship. We've had over 300 students participate in the mentorship. So you can apply, just visit writingworship.co, which is uh, the website for all of our education and training for worship songwriters. So if you're interested in that, you can visit that website. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. And then we have our brand new 2022 Writing Worship Conference coming up September. Yes, Mm -hmm. September 26th through the 28th. We just announced it. We have two tiers of tickets. The first tier is it includes a writing retreat. We have a limit of 60 tickets available for that. So it'll be a writing retreat the first day. And then we have two full days of conference, which is really all about community and connection. And we'll be hosting that right here in downtown Franklin, Tennessee, which is really kind of the the hot spot for Christian music or especially worship music. A lot of a lot of companies, Christian record labels, publishers are in this area. So it'll be in quaint downtown, historic Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah, and we're looking forward to hosting you guys there. Yeah, it's a beautiful area. We've lived here for a long time. We've lived this here a long time. This has been our time. hometown. So we love it here. I think we think you will too. And it's just really convenient. You can walk to coffee shops or go get lunch or dinner or whatever. It's all in walking distance. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to have our writers round at the Franklin Theater. So we're excited about yeah, that. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. And we're partnering with Redbird Common on that. That's mm-hmm. going to be our songwriters night too. So it's going to be a fun Three days of writing, connection, all of it yeah. is going to happen there. What's your favorite place to have coffee in downtown Franklin right now? Right now? Right now. Mm, that's a good question. There's like five coffee shops. I know. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to you, let's have coffee in downtown Franklin. Yeah. Where would you go? Where would Either you say? the Frothy Monkey uh-huh. or I liked that new one that we just did, the Onyx and Alabaster place. That's right. That's that my really new cool. favorite. Is it's that your new favorite? It's very hip and cool. It's really cool. I yeah. felt very trendy and <laughs> young. 
You did. I did. Wow. Yeah. So that's cool. Good job, Onyx and Alabaster. Yeah, we like that place. That's right. I also like that bakery down the street. The bakehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, not bakehouse. It's uh, another bakery. Oh. It's the the one that has those wonderful macaroons. Oh, macarons. Triple Crown Bakery. Triple Crown. They have tea too. They have tea service and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I love that place. Love that place. That's awesome. Anyway, all good. Today we have a very special guest. I've been looking to meet Todd Fields of right of the Worship Circle mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's been. It was just such a really refreshing time. I instantly connected. I remember initially reaching out to him because uh, Laura Neumann actually introduced us. Laura from Germany, Uh one of our longer term brave songwriters Uh and writing worship songwriters. She's been really involved. She's also really involved in the writing club. She said, yeah, I totally know Todd. Uh, Let's connect. Uh, I'll get you. I'll connect you guys. And we did. We had a great talk. I mean, instantly went went there mm-hmm. deep with him. Obviously, mm-hmm. God's been doing some amazing things in his life personally, and he's not shy to talk about it. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. We and had it, a great conversation with him. It was no surprise that what the writings, what the, I keep saying writing circle, it's not writing circle, it's worship circle. <laughs> it's getting all mixed up. I know. What the worship circle is doing and has been doing for years now is ministering to the heart of the worship leader and mm-hmm. the church leader, church musician, worship leader, songwriter. And you actually have taught there. Mm-hmm. We talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I've come on several of their groups and had conversations about really mostly about the songwriter personality test mm-hmm. and giving people a baseline for what their gifts are and how to get started. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've had several great interactions with their community and have have been friends with many of their mentors through the years. So it's a really beautiful compliment to what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of synergy between what we do over a little bit of overlap, but not, not so much where it's awkward. It's actually really a really nice uh, overlap because we'll focus mostly on the writing and ministering to songwriters mm-hmm. and he and the team at, at worship circle will focus on ministering to, to the worship leader mm-hmm. and to the artist and musician as well. And they're moving into ministering to pastors and church yeah. leaders as well, which is so needed, ministering to the heart and uh, getting together in in small groups and connecting. So, we had a great conversation. We thought we would meet here at our house next time he was in town. He's from the Atlanta, Georgia area, and he was in town a few weeks ago, and he recorded an episode as well. Mm-hmm. So we, speaking of overlap, we record this episode so it could go on the Worship Circle podcast, which it has, mm-hmm. and it's also on the Brave Worship podcast. Mm-hmm. So why don't we jump into our conversation with Todd Fields of Worship Circle. Well, hey, everybody, this is Todd Fields from the Worship Circle Ministry, and I'm in the home of Eric and Chrissy Nordoff. New friends, but we've got a lot of old connections. That's right, we do. We <laughs> a do. lot of history, and we just wanted to have a conversation just about things we've seen God do in the church in our time here on earth and just see where God leads this whole conversation. Chrissy's an amazing songwriter. Eric used to work with a dear friend of mine, Matt Williams, at Word Records and other record labels here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So yep. thank you guys for having me in your home. Yes, grateful to have you. And we're doing this joint podcast yes. a little bit. We'll release this on the Brave podcast as well. So we have 
Todd Fields here with uh, Worship Circle. And you've got a really deep, rich background working uh, for a church, for churches, yeah, and in ministry. And we'll definitely talk about about you. So maybe some listeners to the, the to your podcast, Todd, yeah. maybe haven't heard your story in a you while. You know, it's funny because Steve Fee told me he's like, "Man, I need to interview you because you're always interviewing people, <laughs> but I, 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 I rarely get interviewed." You know, yeah. so. For, we'll do, for the Worship Circle podcast. We'll do the mutual mutual conversation here. It'll be good. Yeah. And Chrissy, do you want to share a little bit before we get started? Yeah. Well, I'm excited about this conversation. It's great to connect with you, Todd. Finally, I know we've known of you for a very long time and have, feels like we're sort of running alongside of you and have seen some just common heart threads running through. So I'm excited just to hear more about your story and yeah, your background. Yeah. It's pretty crazy because, um, I heard about Chrissy through Steve Fee, my friend, Mm -hmm. just from songwriting. Is it the personality? Songwriter personality test? Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Steve was like, this is an amazing tool. And then, you know, then I'd hear Chrissy's name and then Eric reached out and it's just awesome because I feel like we both, we both have this heart on the back end of maybe a lot of striving where we're we're kind of in this season of wanting to abide and rest Mm -hmm. and let God take what we've learned. Not that we figured it all out, (laughs) but to try to pass on to others just to help on their journey as well with songwriting or worship leading. I think what I like about you and what I recognize in you that I see in Chrissy is you, and, and I have this heart too, is you love to come alongside the worship leader and you have such empathy for the worship leader whoever it is in in ministry, because it's a burden that they carry. I've never been a worship leader, but I've come alongside the the songwriter with Chrissy in the same way, the worship songwriter. Most of the time they are worship leaders or musicians leading at church. And it's not an easy, easy road to follow. There's a lot of things that come against us. And we talked a lot about burnout in our initial conversation over Zoom. Yeah. And you experienced that. Songwriters experienced that. We experienced a lot of rejection. Yeah. In other ways from whether it be the industry or someone in ministry, maybe not even realizing the hurt that uh, the worship leader, the musician, the songwriter feels. It's a very uh, lonely position. So I like that about you, Todd. Yeah, it is. I think when we started Worship Circle, there was just this reality that there's kind of a commodity culture Mm -hmm. where we can use people for their talent Mm -hmm. and critique them for their talent but bypass their personhood and soul and the using of that. Cause Hey, the church has to move on. You know, we got Sundays coming. We have to function, right? <laughs> so, yeah. it's a system. so I right. feel like this journey yeah. for me and I was telling Chrissy and you in your kitchen before we came down to record at 52, I'm finally, it's like, I'm finally going on this journey to, to know me and know that that's not a selfish journey, like yeah. to know who you are because for so long on a stage, it's like, you get the applause and it's like, do that again. <laughs> you're like, well, what did I do? <laughs> right. You're rewarded. It's like, right. you're it's a, like a treat. <laughs> yeah, you get a treat. Well, do that again. Okay. Well, I'll do that again. Well, then you do so much do that again that you get, get on the back end of it. And you're like, well, who am I? And where did that really come from? And I, I love this quote by Miles Davis, you guys. And I, it's, it's just been on the forefront of my mind, but he said that it takes a long time to sound like yourself. Hmm. And it's like, I think from all, for all of us with what God entrusts to us, just to let the stuff boil away that's not 
the stuff that needs to remain on this mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. And it gets even simplified more and clearer. It feels like the longer we're on the journey. It's mm. good. I remember being a young girl and moving to town and feeling a lot of pressure to be an artist. Yeah. And because I could carry vocally some of what, what I was hearing, what I was writing, and there was just an expectation on my life. Yeah. And that was kind of that thing that you're talking about, like that repeated message that I kept hearing was that's what you should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> but over time, I got more and more honest with myself mm. as far as do I feel comfortable on the stage? Actually, I don't. I don't feel comfortable on stage and what it costs me to do that and all these hoops I have to jump through like mentally and like emotionally just to accomplish that. It really made me have to think about and evaluate, is this really what God has called me to do? Yeah. And I remember a conversation at 30 with my father saying, I might not ever do this. This might not be the thing. This is after you were in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. I'd been here for eight years at that point. Anyways, Long story short, I finally found at, I think it was around 36, I finally realized, whoa, what if I'm a songwriter and what if this is why I'm wired this way, you know? But it took me that long to recognize that because of other messages that I was hearing, but, and now I, I'm helping other people walk through that same journey. And I think in some ways there's a lack of mother and father's. And um, in the industry, too. And I think with mothers and fathers and conversations like we had, even just the short one we had already upstairs in our kitchen about rest and what you're saying about Jesus and (laughs) those conversations and making that a normal part of life and, and a good thing, a good part of life. It cuts a lot of that striving out and helps us to be honest with who God made us to be. Yeah. It's hard because there's this, I need to make a living. Right. And that's a big deal. Yes. And then there's, who am I? And how do I stay true to who I really am and who I'm becoming and who God's continuing to create me to be on that journey? And how do I balance those two? And I don't think, I don't look back on my life. I'm at 52. I don't look back on leading worship on big stages or anything. And I know God used that totally but I can it's funny I can listen to some of my vocals and go man you didn't really know who you were yet Mm. wow really you can even tell in your voice the way well now it's funny I just recorded a little project that's going to come out later but I finally was like you know I'm going to pitch this in a key that is right for me (laughs) (laughs) wow because and I love Chris Tomlin but when Chris was writing hit after hit it was all like in the stratosphere (laughs) right and then you know Steve Fee was leading and he sings higher than me and it was always like Mm -hmm. to have the energy you got to go there Mm -hmm. and it's taken me a long time to go this is your lane Mm -hmm. I see you as a Johnny Cash the Johnny Cash of Christian music well it's funny I grew up on John Denver and like Dan Fogelberg and folk music yeah, and everything and yeah. Glenn Campbell, but it's like just, you know, and I think the message that, and you guys are probably saying a similar thing with songwriting, it's like figure out how to do you. Yeah. Right. And the sooner you can realize that you, it's almost like getting all those voices out of your head of the people that you wanted to sound like right. and yes. then accepting mm-hmm. the vocal and the gift that God gave you and being a hundred percent okay with that. And then that's just like, it's a freaking place to be. How did you get here, Todd? Because 
I'd like to just get a little bit of your backstory and share with your worship circle audience well, listeners yes. as well. Yeah. You know, how did I get to just, yeah, how did you get to this point where you're, you seem like you're, you've really been on a journey of self-discovery yeah. in some ways and renewal and allowing the Lord to renew you and worship circles been a part of that story. So take us back as far as you'd like to, but yeah, I mean, I think there was a thing in me just in the, there's a lot of things going on as there always is in God's timing and circumstances. He's always orchestrating. I have a lot of gratitude for my time at, at uh, North Point where I was and amazing people. I love everybody involved, but I think internally I was going at a pace where I didn't pay attention to my heart. I didn't even know what that was. Mm. And at like 43, God just intersected my life with some amazing men and people that started introducing me to this idea of knowing him in a deeper way that like, yeah, there's a mission in the church, but we can't accomplish the mission until we've been reached. Yeah. Put the mask on first. Yeah. I think, I think my whole mindset was reach people, help people see Jesus. And I'm sitting there at 43 going, but I haven't, I need Jesus. (laughs) Like I know in my head, Yeah, but I want to experience him. Mm. And then I think one of the biggest gifts and catalyst for all this was my wife, Carrie. She just, she's always been a deep well. She's always hunger and thirsted after God and questioned and been like, Lord, I want more of you. I want to go on this journey. And so she started leading me toward different podcasts and books and stuff. And I'm just like, this is a whole new world Mm -hmm. with soul care and like learning who you are and all this stuff. And so that was definitely kind of foundational for the start of worship circle and then going what if it's not it wasn't even an entrepreneurial idea as much as it was i just want to help leaders know they're loved and not alone that was that that is our purpose and you hear that and it sounds so well that's of course loved and not alone mm-hmm. no but the, <laughs> but that's the, you know carrie that. would say that's the gospel mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. that we're loved and not yeah we're loved and not alone and one of the things that that I've been seeing over the years as we've done these small groups and with worship and with this idea of not being alone before Jesus left earth, he said, go and make disciples. That was the great commission. But the last thing he said that just blows my mind, he said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. And I don't know about you guys, but that he said, I'll be with you always, always in the, the age. That's like, he's not leaving. Yeah. He's with us. He is with us. You're right not now. alone. Even if you're in your room right now and your dreams are dashed and it's not working out the way you think, Jesus is with you. And so my journey of just trying to be aware of his presence in all things and the idea that from him, through him, and to him are all things, this is worship. And for me, worship had become a song set in a building on a day. And I feel like he's been kind of pressing out this. <laughs> idea that it's so much better than that, that it's every moment of every day is an opportunity to be aware of his presence, to be aware that he's with us, and then to express that praise and gratitude back. Not as if we're spinning a basketball on our finger and we can't let it fall off because it's not up to us. It's just up to us to walk in awareness that the gospel is amazing. Yeah, it's Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but it's he's with you right now no matter what you're going through. So that the whole worship circle ministry has really just been a small group thing online for, 
for leaders to jump in and go, wait a minute, I'm not like this unicorn that no one understands. Like people get the way I'm wired. They see me. Oh, and this person who's leading our small group has problems too. And we're all the same. And Jesus is our only hope, you know, (laughs) it's like, and it changes the way that you then lead people. And I remember um, leading at North Point going, I love this, but I also miss people. I wish I could I wish I could know when I lead on Sunday that Matt Redmond's in England leading and this other person's here leading, and we're all on the earth at the same time um, leading people to the praise and response of, of who Jesus is. And I don't know. It's just all wrapped up into this ministry of wanting leaders to know that you're loved and not alone. And it came from your experience and your beginning of your journey. Yeah. And I, it's still going on, you guys, because I'm in a, like, I'm on a journey with Carrie and our family and just doing a lot of work on myself mm-hmm. that's hard. Yeah. You, you just, you're partnering with some, uh, I'm not sure what, what's all happening in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned something upstairs, but yeah. tell me about that. I was really curious. I don't know. Um, who is it that you were talking about? Yeah, Michael Cusick. I don't know him. They have a, a ministry called Restoring the Soul. They do therapy and count. It's more therapy than counseling. But, you know, my I think my whole life I was like, well, if you need a counselor, you're not strong enough, you know. If you need therapy, you're weak. And it's kind of like, well, Jesus kind of said when you're weak, you're strong. And small is big. And least is greatest. He was always opposite everybody. But Michael, yeah, I've just been on this journey with their ministry and with just trying to dig into my own story and understanding we all have trauma. And I've, you know, to to go back and realize that in these foundational years of your life, it kind of helps you understand maybe some patterns in yourself that other people see that you don't. So I've just been on that self journey. Even the idea, I don't know if you guys have heard of the concept of spiritual direction. Like I didn't know what a spiritual director was and Mm -hmm. Carrie was taking a class and I got introduced to a guy who's been my spiritual director for three years. So Mm -hmm. now in worship circle, I want every worship leader to have access to a spiritual director. Mm -hmm. I just think it's an amazing practice. Tell us about that. Do you know much about that, Chrissy? Well, a spiritual director is someone who really just sits with you to hold space. That's what they call it. They're like sitting with you for like an hour, partnering with the Holy Spirit just to honestly to be still and still and silent and and for you to kind of share what's going on in your life. Just listen. Yeah. And they're not they're not giving you advice, but they're prompting and probing in a way that you partnering with the Holy Spirit in you like light bulbs start to come on. And it's so beautiful because there's no agenda. It's not like well, I have to come up with this epiphanal thing today. It's They help you notice what God's doing that maybe you don't see and see that he is alive and active in your in your life. So all that to say for me, the worship circle ministry has been, I've got to go first with where I feel like I'm supposed to lead people. Do you guys feel like that for, Chrissy, do you feel like that for what you do with Brave? Yeah, for sure. So the first 15 years, I think that I was, in Nashville, I prayed for a mentor and I knew there were things that I was missing just from a direction standpoint and an understanding standpoint. Like I was trying to figure these things out with the Lord, but I knew that I, I I mean, I knew I wasn't getting it all. And, um, so I prayed for a mentor specifically for a female that had walked through ministry and industry and family 
and had done that well. And there was no one. And I prayed that prayer for 15 years. And um, that 15th year, I said, Lord, why are you not answering this prayer? Like, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. I need some sort of direction here in a human sort of way. And he said to me, be what you need in that moment. And so I started thinking differently from that point on. And I knew I didn't know everything, but I had learned some things at that point, And there were some ways that I could help. And so I started gathering women in my living room at that point. And that was about 10 years ago. And so we've learned and changed and grown. And yeah, so much has happened over the course of those 10 years and a lot just by experience and trial and error. And But yes, you're right. As the Lord has led me, I've passed those things on, whatever I can learn or grow from. And one moment really stands out in my mind. We were on a writing trip with Ray Hughes and uh, we were in Glendalough, Ireland. And um, it was this Celtic community. And he was just sharing with us the stories of what community used to look like and what church meant to the Celts. And it was blowing my mind. But in this little village, there was an entryway and there was a rock that had a Celtic cross carved onto the rock. And there was no qualifications for anyone that came through that archway. But once you did and your hand touched the cross, your past was forgiven and you belonged. And that wrecked me. Like just from a community standpoint, from even from a church standpoint, I just realized, man, I just have a hunger for that kind of community and where it's the belonging. And I think that's a big part of sometimes what we're missing in this town from a songwriter perspective. And I know similar things probably from a worship leader perspective, but that rattled me. And so we've continued to, and Eric has been on this journey alongside me. I mean, we've opened it up, you know, to guys at this point too, through our writing worship community, but tried to create belonging and love. And that, that those have been our things. We want people to know they're loved and that they belong. You're loved and you belong, which is very similar to what your heart is. And we're doing that now through meetups, through conference, writing days, and resources. So yeah, so the courses and the book and all that, like anything that we can do to help people on their journey, we're really trying to be aware and listen to what God is saying. And honestly, knowing that we're here, yes, to to carry what we carry, you know, gifting-wise and whatever while we're here, but there's a bigger perspective than that. And that is that we're a part of building the sanctuary of God while we're here on the face of the earth. And we will hand it off at some point. And um, what are we doing right now to make that handoff more beautiful and to create a wider path for those coming behind us to be able to find their way a little easier or maybe have a, a better foundation than we had. But the whole point is, yes, we're building these things, but we want to steward our time well and contribute well to what God wants to do on the face of the earth. And that's that's beyond our generation and beyond our understanding, really, in a lot of ways. But it's a big part, I think, of what I feel called to do as well. So all the while resting <laughs> at the same time. How do you do that? <laughs> uh, just to follow up, on, as I'm looking at you, Chrissy, and I'm thinking about the conversation we had about Jesus and how he 
had boundaries and how he pulled back very often to regroup and be with the father. Yeah. Then when he was out and doing ministry, oh, he was yeah. doing ministry. He's yeah, like, they wrote about it. He wrote about it. <laughs> so, I mean, but yet he retreated. He didn't want to be in the midst of the people. He knew when his energy was drained and he needed to be filled uh, by his father's love and experience the presence. And I, and I see that for you, Chrissy, and also for you, Todd. But as I'm looking at you, Chrissy, I'm thinking about one of the conversations that we have often is how tired we are and how tired you are from, from doing this, this work because you are a full-time songwriter as well. You're writing some t- most of the time five days a week. And then on top of that, you have this brave ministry, which is a ministry to, the, to female songwriters. And on top of that, you've been creating resources and training and traveling and, and trying to share that. But, but you're tired as well. And we're trying to find that balance of, uh, and I think the key is the allowing the community to just, just as Jesus did, he mentored, you know, 12, really four, really closely, it seemed like, and that was it. But those 12 needed to then take over because there were thousands that were needing to be ministered to. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm just trying to say Jesus is an example for us. His life was modeled for us in how to do ministry and how to, how to love one another. And you can't do it alone. We, we have this star celebrity mentality or celebrity whatever system in our culture, celebrity culture, where the celebrities sort of meant to carry it all. And, and uh, you know, the more followers you have and hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, and then you're, you're something, you've made it, you get credibility. Jesus would have never had credibility in this world with his, the way he did ministry. Yeah. So I'll, what an example. I always think, I know they, they had to have something to ride on back then, but he wasn't doing posters of like, hey, there's going to be a healing service at such and such a date and time on the hill and we're going to get thousands of people there. <laughs> like he was just in a rhythm of being just connected to the Lord, to his body, to his the people in front of him, to his family. And I just think it's such a killer model. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's God. And um, I do think that he, for me, one of the things I was just thinking of as you're talking, one of the things Andy Stanley taught me, one of the values was replace yourself. When I was younger, I was like, I want to replace myself. <laughs> if I replace myself, I won't have a job. You know? mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that even as I'm involved with worship circle, as I get older, I hope to hand off more to people in our community that can continue to, to take that same purpose of loving people and mother not alone, but to back away from it more from the day to day, you know, yeah. and it's, I just think it's a, it's a good thing. It's hard, well, but it's good. Yeah. And it's almost like, the principle of it's more than duplication. There's the principle and we, we've built a network marketing business as well over the years, but it's different than duplication. It's allowing who God has made the people in your community, the ones who are rising up as leaders that you identify as leaders, allowing those people to be more fully in known by God and allow themselves to be more fully who they, that God wants them to be and who they're created to be. And that's the, that's the thing. And if they're meant to lead and, and mentor, because, because that's the only way this works for you, Chrissy, is 
you have this mentorship, but you can't mentor the hundreds of people that have gone through it. You can't mentor, you can't do it either. That's why you have people that lead these small groups. So we have very similar processes that small group of up to 12 songwriters will be led by a a mentor who you've poured into. You know, that's the only way this works. Well, and I think what is is beautiful is that when we don't lead all of the things, when we're giving other people um, the opportunity to lead, they grow and and, you know, they're released into who they were meant to be. And that's really the best part. Just seeing people arise to to the place where they were meant to. And I'm just thinking of a couple of weeks ago, we did an event, a brave worship event. It was a worship night. And we've done these through the years. But this time they said to me, Chrissy, we don't want you to worry about anything. We're going to take care of it. You show up and share what's on your heart and that's it. And I said, whoa, like, I told Eric, like something has shifted. And of course we've been going for 10 years, right? So that's a lot of events. That's a lot of planning, a lot of, a lot of props I've carried in my car. So many trying to find location moments, but anyways, they did it all. And I showed up and that night I just was in tears watching them rise to the occasion. They did it. It was beautiful. They know the vision now. They know the heart. So much. They literally know it by heart so that when they got up to lead and and they had planned a beautiful event. And at the end, they said, Christy, do you want to come up? Do you have anything to share? And I had zero anxiety that whole evening. And my heart was in a different place when I shared. And it was, I don't know, it was one of the first times I remember having that feeling of the torch has been passed. I see it. It's just, and it's amazing to watch them grow and rise up. Yeah, that's amazing. One of the things, you know, I think our ministry oftentimes comes out of our wounding and our, you know, we're trying to solve a problem. We're trying to help. But one of the things is you mentioned that about grow, allowing leaders to grow is I just, there was just this time in, in worship in the church where you would have like, and I know this still exists different places and I'm not knocking it, but four worship leaders on stage and on any given Sunday, they might sing half a song. And I would be like, they're not learning to lead anything. They're just, you might as well. It's just kind of puppet on a string concept. Mm-hmm. Like, and my heart broke because I, I was in, I grew up in this culture with Louis Giglio and Christian Stanfield and Steve. And like, we had to carry something. We were entrusted with something at a young age and it was scary and it was risky, but that's how we grew. And at some point you have to go in, in, in church world and everything, this is going to be risky, but this person has, God's going to grow them through us entrusting something to them. And for you with Brave and your leaders and for me with Worship Circle, it's mm-hmm. like you got to trust people and trust that God's got them and he's going to continue to grow and build them. And it's a, that's just a, it's a healthier place to be, but it's hard. <laughs> it you is, know? yeah. Yeah, letting go. And trusting God is is hard. Yeah. Is hard, and it it can be you know risky for you. Yeah, it's risky for them to to be up there doing something that they might not be a hundred percent comfortable with. Yeah, you know. But that is you're right. It's um it's an important time of growing. Guys, how can the worship circle audience get connected with what your ministry, what God's doing? Because I want them to hear a little bit from you guys about what God's been doing and how they can connect with that. Because we have a lot of different we have leaders that'll come in. Do you have anything on songwriting? And you know, Steve's helped us some with that and been great. 
Um, but if they wanted to, yeah, stay in touch with you guys and well, I mean, it's very easy. Just visit us at worship uh, writingworship dot co. Yeah. I wish we could get the dot com. It would be a lot easier. <laughs> come on. Come on. Somebody in guy. China owns it. It, it, it could be. Yeah. I think he, uh, anyway, we reached out to him. He's very kind, but he he just loves it and wants to do something with it eventually, but nothing right now. So, but anyway, writingworship.co is a great way. And we have a community page on Instagram and, and the songwriter personality test is a great way. So if you go to songwriterpersonalitytest.com. Um, you got that domain. We, we got that one. <laughs> Come you on. got that got one. That. <laughs> but um, that'd be the best way to step into a relationship with us. And then, but we should do something more than that. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a special worship circle group. That's it. Um, we hold this very lightly. This is all God's and it really is. It's not that complicated to partner with you. And likewise, we should do a writing worship worship circle group with you and introduce you to, to them, to our community, because it, it's mutually beneficial. There's, well, you know. I always tell people I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Either do we. <laughs> and that's the, it's so fun meeting you guys and our paths crossing and the connections we've already had in just history. I feel like your family already. It's just good. So it's be cool to see where God takes all this and what he does. What I wanted to ask Chrissy, cause you've been writing for a long time in this town, a couple of things. Not to take a beeline towards songwriting, but I do want a couple of thoughts. One is how have you seen the industrialization of worship change over the years? And Eric, you've been in the industry in Nashville for a long time. And I mean, that's a loaded question. It's not a a dissing of anything, but how do you keep your heart intact in the midst of that whole, the whole world that it's become? I know. It's wild, isn't it? And has it changed over the past few years? Do you sense it changing at all? Yeah, totally. So when I first moved to town, there was no such thing as worship like we know it now. That's been new since I moved here. There were no like worship leader degrees, for instance. It was church choir and that was was about it. At the time, choir directors. But so, yeah, I mean, my first worship songs were accidental. Like I wasn't shooting for... I'm going to write this kind of song. And I'll never forget, we were overseas, actually. We were um, doing a a concert tour. It was a worship event. And I was singing my songs, you know, which were worship to me. And this gentleman pulled me aside and said, you know, these aren't worship songs, right? And I was like, what? Like, this is worship to me. (laughs) Yeah, this is, what are you talking about? It's kind of defeating And I had the first conversation that, well, worship is in a congregational context and you have to, these are the tenses we use. It's either we or you, you know, that kind of a conversation. And it broke me. I was broken because that was worship to me. And it still is. And now (laughs) coming full circle, like people are releasing those songs as congregational songs. And actually, I think the congregation's more capable than we give them credit for. But so it became very streamlined and the box became very narrow for what was accepted. But over time, I do see that box falling apart. And there's a lot more variety and a lot more openness to new things. I will say, as far as the industrialization of it, it's been interesting over the years to, to walk into writing room after writing room with different worship teams from different churches and have them tell me exactly what they want to write that day. 
And most of the time, it's whatever the latest worship hit was. And that, in my opinion, never works. That just doesn't work because the Holy Spirit likes to do a new thing all the time. And he doesn't like to do replicating, you know? I just don't see him working that way. He's always doing a new thing. And so that immediately, it it brings a little damper whenever there's an exact target to hit instead of, hey, let's just worship first. And ironically, a lot of times you have to have that conversation. We're going to write a worship song. Why don't we start with worship? Why don't we start with worship and write from that place? That doesn't happen a lot of times if you don't say something. And so, but for me personally, it's a lot of the stuff I teach, which is being in the word of God in the morning. I do psalming on a daily basis, which is singing the Psalms out loud. And I've learned more about writing worship by doing that than anything else. I've learned the language of worship. And also, I just feel like it's like a, there's a spiritual imprint that happens that I can't really verbalize what it is, but it's impacting me in two ways, both in a heart level and a skill level. I'm learning from David on a daily basis. And still, I don't know, I've been doing that for a long time, but I get a lot of song ideas from that. Not that that's my goal, but my best songs have come from singing psalms with just the target of singing to the Lord that morning, and that's it. So that's what I try to do. Graham Kendrick and Paul Walosh talk a lot about singing the psalms. I've heard somebody say that Paul says that, yeah. It's such a great place to be. The idea, and you know, if you're a worship team out there, and you're like, hey, we need to write songs in our church. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you because it's almost like when I try to write something that mm-hmm. is aimed at, it's like, let's start. We want to write a hit before we write the hit. Right. You're like totally sinking the ship before you build yeah. it. Yeah. And it's almost like, let's build a tin man with no heart, you know? <laughs> and um, the best things for me That's that have it. come out are, I don't, it's almost like to start with that question of what's God doing in yes. me right now? Because if it's not coming from this honest place, people are smart. Yeah. If you don't feel it, nobody else Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, and I just see that all over the place. How do you, because you write about every day, do you have any practices that keep it from becoming kind of sterile or rote for you? Or how do you stay, how do you keep your heart engaged day after day Yeah. with that process? I really think it's the secret to it is having time with the Lord in the morning before I jump into a write because then that muscle has already been exercised that day. It's an extension of my worship time. That is the literally the only way because yeah, otherwise it could easily get into that rut. And there are days that are like that. There are still days where there's days I have a bad, right? (laughs) We have several videos about co-writing no-nos, which is hilarious because you work on what you bring in the room, but you can't always expect what someone else is going to walk in the room with. And that can really steer the ship too. So hopefully, and that makes a huge difference if they have been seeking the Lord that morning and they walk in or even just being in an honest place. So somebody comes in and they're, they're weeping that morning and they've had a rough morning. We can work with that. We can write from that place, just be honest. But if we come in and there's pride in the room or things like that, those are things that are hard to break through. It's not even 
it's not the the tough stuff. If we can just get to honest, then we can write a song. I saw that you were in Gloria Gaither's class. Yeah, I was. And they were my first concert when I, in 1975. Oh, wow. I was in kindergarten. Aw. And I saw the Bill Gaither trio. <laughs> That's amazing. With McSpadden, Aww. the whole crew. Wow. And it was like in the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. It just When wow. I read that, I was like, no way. That's amazing. The yeah. Omni. Yeah. Such Wonderful. a rich like history with their, their whole life and so mm. many songs they wrote that are just yes. standards. Golly. It's wild. They were. Yeah. I she had, was a mentor for you. She was a mentor to me and changed everything. Actually, I just had a conversation with her. She called me oh. a couple weeks ago, and she was asking me to come teach at her songwriting oh intensive, which I was like, this is wild. What <laughs> is happening? Are you sure? <laughs> but when she called me, we had an interesting conversation about the state of worship today. Really? Yes. What did she say? She really loves just the skill and the craft and the creativity that can come when people really dig in. And, you know, we had this conversation about how a lot of it is a lot looser. And there's something to be said about really taking time to craft. And that was the conversation that we had, which I believe is true. I think uh, I will just say I'll edify you in that and support because I see my wife and what she says is exactly true. There's nothing about what she's saying that is not true about she practices what she preaches, so if you'd say, because I see her down here worshiping in her robe on the piano. <laughs> you know, she hasn't done anything yet, but she's worshiping, just singing the Psalms. And it's one of the most beautiful examples for me to see her do that. But the other thing that I, I, I would say that Chrissy does really well is, and it's not in your nature to do this, but you will work on a song there's one song right now you're working with a couple of other writers that you have probably gone back with them. I'd say a dozen times, at least a dozen times that you have followed up on this song. He, the, the, the singer, the, the artist is leading it at his church here locally. And this, he's already led it twice different in different ways. Like it was a different song. And you will not let this go, especially when when there's a hunger and a craving to get it right. The craft is what I've been most impressed with is just because it does take time. Your great name, a song that you wrote, took three different rights. Another song, Mercy Tree. I know you went back and forth with Michael Neal on that one via email. A couple of years. For yeah. a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's... And Famous Four was the same one. Famous Four. Mm-hmm. Took... Four years mm-hmm. to five wow. years. Yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Because yeah. it's like, I always think, hey, you get in there, you have the right, you do it, and <laughs> well, maybe email a couple times, you know. I mean, that's pretty typical, to tell you the truth. Like, that is the expectation that you're going to come in, you're going to do it, write it, three hours, you got the song and the demo. It's and good enough. We, yeah, good <laughs> enough, and we can do that. And I do that a lot. But I do think there is something to be said and if, if I feel like there's an open door to it, and if I feel like I believe in it, then I'll push for more. But sometimes there's not, you know, sometimes there's not an open door to that. Well, that's cool that you can differentiate between that and then know when to keep working. 
Yeah. I have this vision of a Rubik's Cube, and it's like it's almost solved. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it feels like, like. Oh, man, what turns do we need to do it's to the unlock worst. the final thing? <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> feeling. It is, it'll grate on your nerves yeah. until you get it right. I mean, it reminds me of our elf puzzle we do every Christmas, you right. know, putting that thing together. We're missing one piece. And so it feels like that, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. We just worked on this so long, and there's one little thing. I don't have a whole lot of songwriting history. I've written some, but I wrote a song with Nathan Christie a while back called Breathe On Me. And Christie wrote this line, you are the God of my story. And I think we had like holding all things, something like that. It's kind of generic. And I was like, this does not feel right. And I would sit in the office at North Point and just sing it over and over again. I was like, doesn't feel right. And then I came up with uh, write every line for your glory totally changed that entire chorus just one line yeah. and I was like you gotta fight for what you feel in your heart and your gut yeah. like there's something weightier yes <laughs> that's there right and we gotta mine for that gold with every word and every yeah. line you know every word yeah. I mean every word if you will give it room and give it time every word can make a difference so all of you out there who want to start writing worship songs at your church <laughs> <laughs> it's a glorious adventure. <laughs> get ready to but struggle. It, yeah, get ready to struggle. <laughs> it's a weighty thing. Don't take it lightly. And uh, don't, man, don't let all the trials and the misfires and the working at, at all out get you too discouraged. Because right. the professionals take years sometimes to to figure out how to yeah. put the puzzle together. Sometimes it's easier to settle and you're just tired of the battle within yourself to get the song right. But I've seen it over and over again with Chrissy that uh, it's worth the struggle. It's worth it because you come out of it with just, and you appreciate it more when you've been through it for that song. I think any writer would tell you that on the other side of it, it's such a, it's very rewarding. You know, it's crazy too, is on the other side, well, hearing stories back, that's wild. But even hearing when you sang this word, it makes me think of Back to Life, one of my songs. When you sang the word depression, like that, that's what did it for me. And it's one word, right? And then when you hear stories back, it might be that that mattered to somebody. It mattered to somebody. And you were, sometimes your one word fights are for one person. And that's, that is mind blowing. And it's worth it. Yes. I had a sing at a graveside two days ago. Just the my acoustic, and um, mm. the wife came up to me and said, "Because I did this version of it as well years ago, that Redmond kind of helped me ghost write <laughs> um, the chorus." But um, the wife said, "My husband wanted to hear this in the hospital up until the end, and I could play it over and over again in his ear." And I'm like, "You guys, this is too amazing that God would encourage another brother or sister." With anything that came from us just trying our best to say thank you to God for who he is and what he's done is an amazing honor as a songwriter. And you're just like, that's what these songs will do. They'll be a life raft for a lot of people. And they'll remind us, what we were talking about before, that Jesus said, I'm with you always. Songs do that. Remind us of his presence. And Todd, have you, um, you said the you and the community recorded uh, hymns album did that song get recorded 
The no, hit is it's well not an old, old North Point record. Oh, it is? Yeah, okay. back in the day. You, you ever going to revive it? I should, you know. It'd be fun. What's in the future for you as a writer and in your journey just spiritually with well, God? Well, I haven't done anything. I did a project when I was 40 and I'm 52 now, so I'm way behind. <laughs> they but don't release CDs very much. These they don't. I, I, I am doing a CD and it's coming out probably in May. Nathan Knuckles is helping me with it. But I'm excited about it, y'all, because it's really, it's kind of like these songs came over time and they came through a lot of working out my own journey with the Lord and with my family and just the things that God's been doing to me. And they're just me being me and they're honest. And um, I'm excited about this project that there's no label. And I, I just, I'm excited. To, I think, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of excitement. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Well, what I would say to you, even as you were just expressing that, I was, I'll say to you that this is when you release it, it's not the end. It's the beginning of something new. I feel like it for you, it's, it's the start of your telling of what God's done for the last 12 years since you last yeah, released Yeah, that's music. what it feels like. Yeah. You You're know, a much different person now than you were. Yeah. And when I, ago. when I sing these songs, it's, it's just, this is true for me. I don't feel like I'm wearing somebody else's pants. Oh, that's <laughs> a good feeling. It's, it's a like, good feeling. I'm wearing my own clothes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, man, I will say the other passion I have, you guys, you were talking about Chrissy early writing songs and that not being called worship. I just have this heart for, for all of us in the church, just to understand that it's all worship. If you're a folk writer and you write a song, I remember Christian Stanfield and I were at an Amy Grant Vince Gill Christmas show and Vince sang a song called Bread and Water about his brother that died. It was like a story song. And Christian and I had tears in our eyes, and I just said, I just worshiped. And there was no chorus that anybody was singing, but it moved my heart in a powerful way, and I was just in awe of the love of Jesus in that moment. And I'm like, I just want to encourage everybody out there that, man, it's all from him, through him, and to him. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely songs where we express praise with those lyrics that are in that vein, but there's also just stuff about life that you might write that's honest from your heart that's going to move somebody to praise God. I get, yeah, I get sad when I hear somebody kind of make an excuse before they even sing the song yeah. or play the song for for anything that we might be involved in. Yeah, they'll they'll be like, "Well, I know this isn't a worship song, but it's a reflection <laughs> of my heart." I'm like, "Wait a minute, stop! <laughs> Time out. It, it is a worship song, an act of worship. What you wrote, and don't cut it down." we cut ourselves down so quickly as, as people in general, and especially as creatives. And I think some of that is coming from a, I see where I can empathize where they're coming from. You want to be humble and you want to feel like you haven't got it all together and, but just sit with it and don't judge it. You know, I think that's a big, a big thing for us to remember is don't, don't judge it. Don't, don't edit it before you've even expressed it. You talk a lot about Chrissy. There are five different types of worship songs or five different purposes for songs. And this song could be just a song for God, but it's still just equally as much worship as yeah. the song for the world to sing, Yeah, you know, the church to sing. Pat Barrett told me that one time and it helped me. He said, I write to help my heart. Like, what do I, what do I need to tell myself that's true? that God would say to me 
if that's all that it ever, if it never makes it to a public audience, but it helped me hang on another day, then it was worth it. Mm. Yeah. And that's where I started writing from. And it was like, I'm just writing this because I need to remind myself mm. or I'm not going to make it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's good. That he's got me. He's with me. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so good. Anything, Chrissy, that you uh, want contri- to add to that? No, I think it's good. I think what you were sharing about the five purposes, like sometimes it's just for God. Sometimes it's for me. It's God and me. Sometimes it's for somebody else, and that might be one person. Sometimes it's for a community, like maybe my church, and then sometimes it's for the world. But I've never tried to write one for the world and had that work. <laughs> I've only written songs I thought were just for God. That Drop have- the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't, Isn't if it's not cra- honest. That's where it's crazy because that's what we crave and where we start. And it doesn't right. start there. Everybody starts there. Ironically, it's, so it's wild. crazy. And yeah. Jesus is going, no, I see you. You matter. He keeps saying on all the law and prophets, hang on what? Yeah. Love God yeah. and love others yeah. as yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. and there's, there's a verse in Psalms. And of course, I can't remember the reference that I have been sort of just chewing on recently and it says that God's favorite thing is to hear his people that's his favorite thing and we get to give him his favorite thing God we get to give God his favorite thing when we sing him a song because he's hearing us and that should be enough and it is it truly is if we can grasp it it's just the expectations of the world get in the way and a different definition of success gets in the way yeah. <laughs> well, Todd, we'll see what comes out of this. Yeah, man. Uh, this this conversation. Thank you guys so much to, for this time. Absolutely, it's been great just to hear a little bit of your story and get to know you even better over the the next few months. We'll see what we can do to support a worship circle. And I sometimes call ourselves I I call ourselves worship circle, even not even thinking about it because it's yeah. so close to writing worship. But we feel a connection with what you're doing in the community there. So. Love to serve and partner with you in any well, way. I'm just can. glad to have new friends, and <laughs> it's just it's cool to see God doing what He does. Yeah, with any of us. Yeah, that's right. And then to be able to laugh and share ideas, and it's just powerful. Yeah. Mm. Well, thanks, Todd, for joining us down here in the basement. <laughs> in the beautiful basement. Yeah. It's amazing down here. Yeah, definitely. Aww. It's been fun. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about resources available for songwriters, men and women, go to writingworship.co, follow us at Writing Worship on Instagram, and join our active community on Facebook, the Writing Worship Community. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. 
It's an intensive course in a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.